My wife woke up mad at me the other day. What'd you do? I did nothing. She just had a dream about me where I did something stupid. <laughs> and she woke up mad. And she, she said she, even for a few seconds after she woke up, she was just sitting there stewing because <laughs> I had done something so dumb. I love her. <laughs> and, and it's funny because she says, even, she, even though she knows it was just a dream, yeah. that feeling of being mad does not go away quickly. Wow. Which leads me to this and a confession that I'm mad at you right now. For what? Because of how late you were. You see, I got here at quarter to 11 waiting to start our show at 11 o'clock. No, you didn't. And then 11.01 came, 11.05, 11.10. are not telling the I was going to call you. And then I went back and looked at the text, and yeah, you said see you at 11.30. Oh, God. So I completely misread it. <laughs> but, but You saw me panicking like, what for a good For a good 15 minutes, I'm sitting there stewing, going, oh, she claims to be on time and <gasps> punctual, and here she is you know what? being let so just, late. Let me flip this another way. Now you owe me an apology, because you got mad at me, and I wasn't even here. And you were wrong. Uh, that's not how this works, I learned. Yes, it is. <laughs> Talk to my wife. That's not how this works. I get to be mad at you for the rest of the day, and you better apologize to me. (laughs) Welcome to Black, White, and Blue in the South, a podcast discussing democratic politics with a Southern flair. I'm Jamil Brooks. (laughs) I'm Jamil Brooks. (laughs) You see. This is how I'm going to have to fix mispronouncing your name. I'm going to have to live your name for the next six months before it really becomes... So I'm having everybody in the house call me Jamil. No way. And and I'm going to flush the bad pronunciation out of my system. Regardless, we're coming to you from Greenwood, South Carolina, a little red county in a very red state. If you like what you hear, please leave a rating. Tell your friends about it. Follow us on social media, or better yet, get a kindergarten teacher to moderate the next Republican presidential debate. Oh my gosh. If they can control a bunch of screaming children, I'm sure one can bring order to this clown show. You got to just listen to this clip from the Wednesday debate. Did you watch it at all? I did not. Neither did I, but this clip's going around. I want you to hear what it was like. Okay. Let's have a policy debate. What's going on? Let us have a policy debate. Let's have a policy debate. And the right answer is we need to declare independence from China. And I will see that through. Now, can you imagine watching that for two hours? <laughs> Where's my rolling eyes sound? <laughs> <laughs> yes! I came prepared. <laughs> yes, that's me. <laughs> you didn't think I'd have it, did no. you? <laughs> You can always drop us a note at black, white, blue, in the south at gmail.com. You can follow us on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and even Threads. Wow. We have a Linktree page that can connect you to everything, so be sure to look at the show notes where we'll have that and links to all material mentioned in today's episode. Mm-hmm. We've got voices, and we're going to make joyful noises. Yay! I don't know what that means, but it sounded pretty cool. <laughs> Hey, Jamil. Hey, Bill. <laughs> we have reached 260 unique listeners so far. I, I bet you didn't cool. know that. I think that's cool. I that's didn't. 260 ear holes that our voices were Yay. plugging in with information and uh, inspiration and yeah. some humor along the way. That's cool. What are we going to do when we hit 1,000? I don't know. 
Because I don't know if 260 is a lot. I don't well, know if it's is, enough. It is because we started with just you and I. That's right. So no, actually, it was just you because I wasn't listening to you. So it was just your, <laughs> it was why, just your why? ear holes that were being filled. <laughs> so it was just so, one. So now we're up to 240? 260. 260. We hit 260 this weekend. Yeah. And uh, what are we going to do when we hit 1,000? I don't know. We're going to have to think on that. Yeah. Now, there's a story that you texted me over the week. Why don't you share it with uh, oh our gosh. listeners right now? Okay, so <laughs> so I get a call, and of course Verizon has it, well, iPhone has it, where you can say potential spam. But I think, mm, I got a couple minutes. Let me see who this is. So I answer, this is Jamil, and they say there's a pause, so I automatically know it's going to be like a scripted call. But I hold because I feel like being petty that day. So the caller comes onto the line and starts to tell me that they are calling on behalf of Lauren Bobert. And they are seeking, I'm paraphrasing, donations because it's time for re-election. This is Lauren Bobert of Colorado. Correct. We're in South Carolina. Correct. Don't know where my name came from. And my number and name. Let me tell you, this selling of the phone list is ridiculous or whatever we're doing. Sharing of a phone list. So, and I thought that was strange because you remember when we were in Oconee County? Did you do the intro? Yeah, we, t- we brought up Lauren Bobert in our Strangely intro. Strangely enough, a couple of weeks later, I get a call from them. You think she heard you? Maybe. Maybe she did. Anyway, I hope she heard what I told the individual that called me. The call starts out with donate, and I let the individual finish, and I said, okay, thank you, but I decline. Look at me being polite. And then the individual said, well, I didn't think it was important either. Uh, Jamail is what they said. I didn't think it was important either, Jamail. But um, the Democrats are trying to take everything that we've worked so hard to get. They're taking away, trying to take control of the House, trying to take control of the Senate. And if we don't do anything, and then the call turned into the worst call ever. And so I stopped the individual and I said. What do you mean by the worst call ever? In terms of it became hate-filled. Oh, Um, It was all negative, and it was an immediate, I'm going to pit the Democrats against the Republicans, and the only way for us to be better is to eliminate the Democrats because they are coming after us. It was almost like I was in some type of war video game where we looked like we were going to be friends, and then all of a sudden it went left. And so when I told the individual, I said, well, you know, I hear what you're saying, I say, but what I encourage you to do is take that script back to whoever wrote it for you. Because I know you're reading from a script, we know how this works, but the script that you just read to me painted the Republicans as a bunch of angry beasts. So maybe you don't want it to look like the Republicans are saying all these hateful things. Maybe you want to look like make it look the other way, but your reading doesn't do that. Why are you now acting as a political consultant for Lauren Boebert? Because they need help. Um, we I, need help. We do, but I mean, I just thought Put like, that energy to us. I'm gonna do it. You know, if somebody <laughs> asks me, you know how I am. I lay low until you ask me. When you ask me, I got you. I mean, while you're texting Tim Scott, you're I texting mean, Nikki Haley, well, and having conversations he in your head. Heard. He don't text me anymore. No, no. But Nikki is still throw something. Did you know that Donald Trump called Nikki Haley bird brain? Did you see the article that came out? I did. Okay, we're not talking about that. But anyway, so so I said to the guy, maybe you should go back and rewrite this because your script needs to be worded a little bit differently to try to acquire the funds that she needs. And I took a breath because I wasn't finished. I was going on to tell him things that he should consider. And when I took a breath, this is how the call goes. Oh, click. I was like, hello? Hello? I wasn't finished. I had more. Lauren, I was going to rewrite that script for you, girl. 
So what do you have scheduled on Friday? Tea with Marjorie Taylor Greene? <laughs> you don't want, the two of us in the room won't be good. <laughs> won't be good. My calls. And I'm going to keep getting them. You ready for the news? You go. For up to the minute reports, stay tuned to this station. Now the news. Dion Tedder declared winner with 11 vote lead in the Senate 42 Democratic primary runoff. Wow. Congratulations, Senator Tedder. There you go. With 11 votes. Out of how many total do you have that? So I I don't think I have it. Here's why I, I pulled it. Oh, yes, I do. So Tedder ended up with uh, 2,065 votes, and his opponent, Gilliard, ended up with 2,053 votes. So just over 4,000 votes cast, and the winner was by 11 votes. Correct. Mm. So it was like 50.1% versus 49-point-something percent. And I pulled this article because so many times we hear people say, my vote doesn't count. And here's an example of when 11 people's vote did count. That's right. And then we knew about this, you know, when it happened in Georgia, there was a race in Georgia where it might have been, I don't know, six to 10 votes that determined the winner. And here it is right here in District 42, Senate 42, where that was won off of 11 votes. So don't allow someone to sit beside you and tell you your vote doesn't matter. 11 votes can tell who goes to represent you in the Senate. Some interesting background. Wendell Gilliard was the other candidate, and the two were very well-respected House representatives. And there was a lot of money thrown at this primary. By the way, I should point out, this was just a primary. It was the primary. We call him Senator Tedder, but he's not officially senator until after the November election. Correct. Because there is opposition, but in this district, it's... You know, 90% Democrat. The Democrat's going to win. So he's he's the presumptive winner. But a lot of money was put into Tedder's campaign. And then you had Congressman Jim Clyburn, the the kingmaker, threw his weight into the mix and 11 vote tilted. And and I think, you know, Tedder outraised Gilliard by a substantial amount. Yes. So basically all that extra money got him 11 extra votes. 11 extra votes. So he will face Republican Rosa Kay in the general election. That's going to be November 7th. But he's coming from, it's a Democratic seat. It was formerly held by Democratic Senator Marlon Kempson. So. Um, but I, I also want to point out that 4,000 votes were cast in this primary, which was only 10% of the 10. voting population. 10. I wrote a little write-up about the primary process in South Carolina and how broken it is. Yeah. Because you've got these districts that are so formed, gerrymandered, so to speak. You know, I would even consider that district gerrymandered if it's so, you know, heavy in the Democratic. That's not a balanced district. Yeah. And that means the primary winner is essentially the winner. And so we see that all over the state and the turnouts for the primaries are very low. Yeah. Here, 10%. So that means... One person just elected a, a representative for the other nine people in that district. That's correct. Because that was selected here at the primary. And yeah. That's just broken, and, and we need to fix it. And some of that responsibility is on the voters. I it mean, is. shame on them for not participating and coming out in but a primary. But that's that mentality that um, Councilwoman Bishop talked about last time. Well, people have just lost the power or the the, the passion associated with voting. 
um, and the integrity of it and what it's able to do has slipped further and further from the minds of people. So it's our job to continue to push that back out in front of them. It's funny you mentioned uh, Councilwoman Johanna Bishop, Councilwoman here in Greenwood County. I actually texted her when those results from that Senate (laughs) race came in. Yeah. Because, just to remind you, Johanna was also in a primary for that seat against the incumbent. At the primary, the votes came out 157 to 157. She came out in an exact tie, and they had to do that primary election again. Second time around, Johanna... Uh, won by a substantial amount. Yeah. But the fact that that race was so close over uh, in, in the Senate district, I had to text Johanna and says, did you see this other close race? Only 11 votes. 11. Between them, making national news as well. Your vote matters, folks, everyone. Now, our discussion about that Senate primary was recorded a week ago, and since then, there's been an update. Jamil, you want to tell us about it? The follow-up from that, it declared a winner was declared, and the winner of that seat was declared as Tedder. Since then, Gilliard has responded to the South Carolina Democratic Party with a letter. Now, responded. He wasn't really responding to anything. He just wrote this letter on his own. But it seems as if he had a conversation with somebody, maybe in his head or not. No, no disrespect. But it seems like this conversation, do you know how it is when you sit down and you're talking about something with someone and then you go and you write a letter? You pull from that and it comes out in the document. This letter that he wrote to the South Carolina Democratic Party seems as though he had engaged in dialogue with someone that led him to believe the South Carolina Democratic Party did not do him justice. The letter insinuates that the South Carolina Democratic Party tended to not listen to the voice of the voters and tended to support their preferred candidate, which got addressed to Crystal Spain, and she responded. Now, let's let's talk about that, because that's a pretty heavy accusation. And it gets heavier. So what is it that he said the South Carolina Democratic Party did to tilt the scales one way or the other? Well, in the the support portion of it, where as if the South Carolina Democratic Party identified the candidate that they chose, and that was the candidate that they would support. I've got the letter in front of me. Can I read a a portion of it? Go. He wrote, The interference by outside the district party officials and the influence of large sums of special interest money on the outcome of the election has not gone unnoticed by black community leaders and black voters in District 42, or indeed across South Carolina. Nor has the plantation-era tradition of party officials presuming they know best which black Democratic candidate is the better choice for black voters to make. So he is insinuating that officials presumed a winner here, but again, he doesn't say what they did. I didn't. I, I know the party didn't donate money themselves. They, they don't. Not. They don't participate. They didn't yeah. run ads or flyers they for didn't. anyone. They didn't hold any type of event that I'm aware of. So I, again, I'm wondering what it is the state party did. And I look at this letter, and there's a lot of powerful words here that are saying nothing directly. Right now, I don't know Representative Gilliard. You know, neither he, do I. He's a um, state house representative, and I'm sure he's doing great work. Uh, So this is not meant to besmirch his career or his efforts on behalf of his constituents. All I have to go by is this letter, which went into the news media, by the way. So this is publicly known. Yes. And it just feels like he's bitter, and I don't know why. Now, 
I do know that certain players in the Democratic Party, like Congressman Clyburn, he came out and endorsed the opponent, Deion Tedder. So did the previous senator, Marlon Kimson, who stepped down and endorsed Deion Tedder. But there's nothing wrong with that. Endorsing has been going on forever. So. But the the state party, Crystal Spain, did not come out and endorse. Did not. So I'm, again, I'm not sure not. what it is specifically he says the state party did. And it seems like maybe his letter was... I don't know, aimed incorrectly. Maybe it should have gone to Congressman Clyburn or gone somewhere else. Maybe I don't know. it shouldn't. I'm going to say this, no disrespect, but maybe it shouldn't have been written. Yeah, maybe. Maybe it shouldn't have been written because, like I said, it seems as if there was a conversation with someone or maybe a group and then the letter was produced. But I'm going to tell you, shout out to Crystal Spain because the way she responded, I felt was. Um, accurately and i'm going to translate and then you can read no you read first and then i'm gonna translate <laughs> yeah it was really short and sweet i don't know that there's much to translate I'll show two, you. two short paragraphs it was i've received your message thank you very much we appreciate everything you did uh, that's basically what she Tra- wrote translation was show me the receipts if we did something wrong show me the receipts and there are no receipts so i don't have anything to respond to so i would just say that If there are issues that one of the Democratic parties feels, then there needs to be a discussion. And I'm not sure that a letter of that substance without making specific claims with the facts to back it up is the way to go into the 2024 election season. And there seems to be a a pattern that I've noticed over the last year of Democratic candidates who do not win either a primary or a general election coming out and blasting individuals for perceived miss or slights or something of those yeah. along those lines. And, and I rarely see anything specifically mentioned. So for example, Mia McLeod, Senator Mia McLeod okay. lost a primary for the governor against Joe Cunningham. And after that election, she tore into Trav Robertson, the then chair of the South Carolina Democratic Party. And she even changed her affiliation from Democrat to independent. And I don't know why. I've seen her complaints, but I've never saw a specific accusation of what they did or didn't do. So now I'm going to say something else. I think in um, Senator McLeod's stance is there are times when when you have representatives or senators that may may know things and I'm not insinuating that she does but in a way to not state specifics that would undo the work that has been done maybe they choose to make a general statement and after I said that about Gillard's letter then maybe you know that's what came to mind well well maybe Jamil he's trying to make a stance and make something known without finger pointing. But I think if you're going to make it that public, you have to point the finger and call what it is. Now, Senator McLeod has an exemplary voting record. I've met her a couple of times. She's She's a great speaker, and and I love everything she stands for. But this, you lose, and then you put blame on a party for not supporting or or something. Without specifics, you're right. A party official should not be endorsing a candidate in a Democratic primary. You need to let them battle it out. Part of being an elected official or campaigning is the ability to raise money, make connections, win over partners. Um, You've got to work with a a wide variety of people. Yeah. And if you succeed in raising the most money, um, then, then so be it. So I think we're saying the same thing. I don't have a problem with Clyburn or any elected official supporting a candidate or endorsing because that's been happening. But if Gilliard is saying that 
that influence has impacted his race in a negative manner from the party's perspective. Again, what's the party's perspective? I don't know it because it's never been because stated. Because Clyburn is not an official in the South Carolina so Democratic make, Party. Is he making that correlation? You see, that's what the letter does. It causes so many what ifs. What is he saying? I don't really understand. And it forces us to spend time unpacking and making uh, assumptions when we might be missing it all together. Well, I would just recommend in the future that if you have a beef, make it specific yeah. and actionable yes. that people can either correct or rectify or something in the future. I agree. South Carolina's sister senators win Profile of Courage Award for abortion stand. The sister senators from South Carolina, which consisted of three Republicans, one independent and one Democratic. But what is most important, it is uh, the fact that women from different political backgrounds came together for a common cause. And that was to protect the right for women to make decisions. The Profile of Courage Award is given to individuals who take on, in legislative acts, take on a difficult topic and stand when most others of your party would not stand with you. You're just an outlier. You are a trendsetter um, trying to protect the rights. So let's set the stage. In the South Carolina State Senate, there are 46 senators. Set the stage, Bill. Mm -hmm. How many of those senators are women? In the Senate, it's just five. It's just five. Just five. Just those five. Mm-hmm. So right there, even setting aside party affiliation, you are five women yes. against 41 men. Now, many yes. of those, or several of those men, you know, were supporters as well. But right there, you've got a big disparity you do. in representation. You do. And there's already this imaginary wall, for lack of a better term, that sits between them on that floor, where you have Democrats on one side and Republicans on another side. Um, but we always yell in bipartisan, but they're on separate sides of the room. The layout matters. So three Republican women, one, one Democrat and one independent. Correct. All five unified to fight the latest six-week abortion bill. For the, they unified to fight for the cause of women all over. Didn't matter your party. Didn't matter your religious beliefs. Didn't matter your nationality. You were a woman. This is your body. And we are going to stand and fight to protect your ability to make a choice. Five women, five different backgrounds, saw the common cause and put aside whatever else to fight for that cause. And because of their hard work, they received a nomination from a uh, Charleston retiree by the name of Miss Lisa Savage, who is a long-term conservative activist that submitted the form to recognize these five senators for their hard work. These women faced a very hostile environment. Still facing. And still facing, correct. Correct. During the debates, there was such impropriety that was happening on that debate floor. I'll give one example. I saw a clip of Senator Margie Bright Matthews, and she rose to issue a point of order that the senator that sat behind her, a really despicable human named Richard Cash, just look him up. In fact, next week, I think we'll feature him in a clip about teenage pregnancy and marriage. He sat behind her and he had brought three different models of of uteruses, uh, uteri, I guess is the proper plural, Mm -hmm. sitting behind her. Mm -hmm. And she wrote, says, look, you're not allowed to bring props onto the Senate floor. Did you hear her comment on that? Yes. She said there are how many in the room already? (laughs) Right. Says we already have several in this row. We don't need any more. And 
these the uh, Senate president Thomas Alexander just seemed to dismiss it. He went, yeah, okay, and and then left it at that. Now let me let me just pause right there. That is the life of those five senators. And that's why I mentioned, exactly. and I don't want to speak for Senator uh, McLeod, but that's why I mentioned it is a hard journey to be a woman. It's an even harder journey to be a woman amongst a slew of men. And you have to stand for topics as sensitive as that. That's just an idea. It is not an easy journey when you have elected officials take on that House and Senate. So, I, you know, these five women said, come hell or high water, this is what we believe is the right thing to do, and we're going to do it. And here's what is even most impressive. They have not stopped their work. Bills have been written. Bills have been passed. And these five senators have not lost the fight completely. They're still pushing forward. They're still devoting time, energy, uh, brain power, and mind power into making sure they protect women. Do you and have the, the names of all the women? I got it. I'm sorry. I got so excited about that. I want to make sure we recognize So we them. have Senator Sandy Sin, Senator Katrina Sheely, Senator Penray uh, Gustav, and Senator Mia McLeod, and Senator Marjorie Matthews. And, and especially those Republican women who are facing the ire of uh, the Republican voters right now. In fact, they're being primaried. One has already announced that he's That's going to notes. going to challenge her. He That's, wants to take her out. You know, th- and this this goes to show you that it is <laughs> more of a, a animal kingdom effect in in there. It's if the Republicans are. so so dead set on having one stance that if you are a member of us and you don't align with us, we will eat you too. That's scary. Anything else on that? Uh, just make sure we don't leave the women who stood for us. So if you're in those respective districts, make sure that you get out and you support them any way that you can because they deserve their right to continue on fighting for you. And I'll add that all of the state house representatives and all of the state senate representatives are up for election in 2024. And so another way to support them is to encourage or be a female to run for office and take them on. If we can knock them out and and boy, you really need more than five and they're in danger of having that number reduced. They are. So we, we need to work on a Senate that's more representative of the population. Correct. In a stunning display from a sitting president, Donald Trump launching an assault on the integrity of the election, unleashing a barrage of false claims of fraud and corruption without evidence. If you count the legal votes, I easily win. If you count the illegal votes, they can try to steal the election from us. So our main topic today is going to be about the perception of voter fraud among the Trump Republican base. And of course, we see articles about it. Maybe we even have a crazy uncle who makes crazy claims and believes everything he hears. It really hit me how widespread and how deep and how rabid these beliefs are out there in the common population. There was an Instagram post from the Greenwood County Democratic Party recently. It's got a couple hundred followers. It's not exactly Taylor Swift on Instagram. Posted a short clip of Senator Marlon Kimson, which we'll play. This clip generated over 381 comments underneath, and it was just nonstop notifications for weeks over wow. this clip. Let me play this clip. Okay. Uh, Senator Kimson is on the 
Senate floor speaking, and this clip's only like 15 seconds long. So let's listen to what he said okay. and what caused such grief out there. And so the point of this is I, when the president was elected, by the way, president of this country, Senator from Buford, was elected by more votes than any other president in the United States history. That's a fact. I'm happy for anybody to fact check that. And that's it. That triggered 381 <laughs> comments on that Instagram post. I was post. sitting here listening for the rest. <laughs> so the fact that Biden won with the most votes in U.S. history and that, that he beat Donald Trump, who runs around saying he received the most votes of any incumbent president in history, both of which are true, only one of which actually leads to winning the presidency, <laughs> a whole mess of comments went through. So I actually took some time to go through those comments and I've put them together, kind of categorized by subject. Okay. One of the first claims about fraud deals with mail-in ballots versus in-person ballots. Okay. And what I want you to do is to listen to some of these comments that were made. You ready? I'm ready. More mail-in ballots than any other election in history. 2016, there were only 12 million mail-in ballots. 2020, there were 66 million. Trump won every state at the polls. Biden won every state with the mail-in ballots. Tell me that doesn't smell of fraud. Most mail-in votes. He literally lost the in-person vote in every damn state. That's a fact. Does anyone think it's fishy that Biden won the mail-in vote in all 50 states? And Trump won the in-person vote in all 50 states? So how do you like the use of the AI voices? I was going to give you a shout out for that. I love it. I had a lot of fun putting that together. Now, AI voices aren't quite there. They all sounded a little off. Yeah, but it, it worked. It did it. But hey, it's a lot better than robotic voices yeah. from you know back in the day. And it's just a matter of a couple of years before we won't be able to, to distinguish between those AI voices yeah. and real voices. Yeah. So you heard a couple of complaints. So let's 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 address some of these. Okay, let's if go. If you don't mind. Yes. Mail-in ballots versus in-person ballots. So yeah. first of all, we talk about mail-in votes being less secure than in-person. And experts and studies for years have shown that is absolutely not true. Mm. For example, one person says, with the mail-in ballots, you can look at them and tell who they voted for and then help shift the vote one way or the other based upon it. And, and no, that's not true. It's not true. Because there are envelopes inside of envelopes. They're securely marked. You can't open it. You can't see through it. Correct. Also, you have to request a mail-in ballot. You do. And then it's matched up with the mail-in ballot that actually comes filled in. So it's not like I can go print a million mail-in ballots and just mail them all in, <laughs> right? They yeah. have to be individually requested. Yes. Then you've got the signature matching, which I always thought was stupid because I can imagine these old ladies in the election commission across these counties <laughs> looking at signatures like they're Scotland Yard, yeah. matching them up. But if there's any dispute, you can match them up. You can. So there's just a lot of security built into these things. So to say that that is just open for fraud is kind of nuts. Yeah. In fact, I think I used mail-in ballots during the 2020 election because, well, guess what was happening in 2020? Was that COVID? That was the COVID pandemic. Yeah. It, it, it started in March or late February, early March of 2020. Yeah. And then thousands of people a day throughout that summer were dying. Yeah. So you want to think that... 
all of the elderly people in this country, you and me, everybody was staying home. My wife stayed home. She's yeah. got a heart condition, you know, and catching COVID. This was before there was a vaccine. This was before there were treatments. Mm. This is when hospitals were getting overrun with wow. breath with breath units and, and machines and all that stuff. Yeah, people were dying left and right, and it was horrendous time in our history. Many people seem to have forgotten that, by the way. So. Yes, there were a lot of mail-in votes, 12 million in 2016, 66 million in 2020. There was no COVID pandemic in 2016. Hmm. They also said a claim that I hadn't heard before, but a couple of these commenters said it. Okay. That Trump won the in-person vote in all 50 states and Biden won the mail-in vote in all 50 states. And it was because of the mail-in votes that Biden won. That was repeated a couple of times. So here's the facts. There are only 15 states in this country that track uh, votes by the type, whether it was in person or mail. So other states don't even report it. They can't tell you. They don't tell you. So 15 states do. Mm -hmm. In those 15 states, yes, Biden won a lot of the mail-in votes, but not all of them. Like, for example, Texas reported that Trump won the mail-in vote. So right away, these claims that isn't it suspicious that Biden won all the states is wrong on a number of levels. Mm -hmm. That's just made up. Mm -hmm. And then finally, why did the Democrats tend to vote more by absentee ballot? And it's true. Democrats really took advantage of absentee voting, of mail-in voting, and the Republicans didn't. Any ideas as to why? No. They took the pandemic seriously. (laughs) The Republicans treated it as a scam, as a hoax. Yeah. Uh, the Republican leaderships, including Trump, said, don't trust the mail. Oh, go, yeah. Go. Remember all of that? Mm-hmm. So they were given instructions. Yeah. Well, guess what, Jamil? The Republicans today have changed their tune, and they're now rolling out a marketing campaign to encourage mail-in voting. Oh, wow. Can you believe that? So just to give you an update on what South Carolina law is going to do, is that absentee ballots by mail must, cannot be requested online by email or by fax anymore. Did you know that? No, now, I did not. Yeah. Now, in order for that request to be honored, you have to provide your name, date of birth, and the four digits of your social security number, but you can only make that request by mail, telephone, or in person. Oh, I do recall that. That's right. When we start to change things like that, right before an election, it's just really important to get that. So how exactly is a phone call request any more secure than Than an email email or online form? I'm just going to whip up an AI voice, make a phone call with it. Hi there, can I have a mail-in ballot? Doesn't that sound like another way to say, hey, this election should be challenged? It's, It's silly. But that's what we're doing. Absolutely silly. All right, you ready for the next reason? Let's go. This uh, segment of complainers say that there were more votes than registered voters <laughs> or that dead people were caught voting. So let's Did listen. Dead people vote? Let's listen. Nope. 3,400 registered voters in a county in Georgia. Biden got over 6,000 votes. Something mathematically doesn't add up. Based off that fact, didn't Georgia say that the amount or something like that was statistically impossible? When you add Trump and Biden's votes in total, there's more than registered voters. Such greatness. Sue many votes by dead people at 2 a.m. Yeah. Okay. These are actual comments that were in that Instagram post. Let's do a, a fact check. Okay. There were no states that reported more than 100% of registered voters 
having cast a vote. That just didn't happen. Now, what had happened was there was a website that had a table of registered voters um, by state. And yes, the number of votes cast were bigger than the number of registered voters in that table. Well, guess what? That website had the wrong table published. (laughs) They took it down and then put it up later with the correct number of registered voters. And guess what? Those were bigger than the number of voters that are votes that were cast. So the conspiracy theorists make no room for human error in this case. In this case, it was just a website that had outdated information on it. It was brought to their attention. They got it updated and nobody reported on that fact or cared. They just ran with this one Instagram or Facebook post that said, hey, take a look. Lots of uh, shenanigans going on here. Yeah. But you and I know that firsthand from working the elections and the polls, that there's a check and balance system there. Extra people can't vote. <laughs> it just That's ain't right. possible. Now, they, a couple of these comments specifically referred to Georgia. Yeah. So what's going on in Georgia? They well, flipped. There was one county, Gwinnett County in Georgia. Yeah where they did initially count more ballots, almost double the ballots, Mm -hmm. than the number of registered voters. Well, that's wrong. Mm -hmm. They went and checked it out, and this county has a specific rule they have to follow where they have to print their ballots in both English and Spanish. They're required to do so for some reason. Okay. Humans who were counting the ballots, and they weren't counting the votes. They were just counting how many ballots did we receive accidentally counted both sheets as two ballots Mm -hmm. rather than just the one sheet as one ballot. Yeah. And when they went back and they saw that human error and counted it properly, the numbers went to normal. Mm -hmm. Again, nobody follows up on the updated human error that was corrected. It was all conspiracy and the original number and that's all they hear. And nobody says, let me go fact check this thing. (laughs) It's got to be something nefarious. Oh, Lord. Dead people voted, and it went viral. Yeah, and that's another crazy one. That's actually happened here in South Carolina. Not recently. I would say about 10 years or so ago, there were claims of dead voters. SLED got involved. SLED investigated, found no such evidence that that happened. But nobody, again, follows up on the investigation. They just report the initial claim. Yeah. So there was a, a viral video that went out that showed it was about dead people casting ballots in Michigan. So once once these videos go out, then there's just no stopping them. So basically, it shows a person entering a name, birth date, and zip code into Michigan's voter lookup website. Uh-huh. And the video shows the search results for a voter who, despite being over 110 years old, had requested and successfully returned a mail-in ballot. So you make that claim, and, and, and right now the answer is obvious. It was fraud. Yeah. Well, investigative reporters actually go follow up on this stuff. Okay. In the case here in Michigan, it turns out they just had the wrong birth date entered into the voter registration database. The person was not 110 years old. They were like 50 years old. Once that was corrected, then all is good. They actually yeah. found the person, verified their identity. And it was just a typing error. It was a data entry error. It was wow. not fraud. Yeah. Same thing happened in South Carolina during uh, after the 2020 election. I got into it with somebody online who proved that there was some sort of nefarious activity happening because votes were being cast in one election, say the 2018 election. Okay. But if you look up on SC Votes, these voters are showing as registered in 2020. Mm. And they go, ha ha. 
how can you cast a vote in 2018 when you weren't even registered to vote until 2020? Uh-huh. Must be a oh, scam. Oh, Lord. Okay. So I, I see this evidence. Yeah. What do I do? You investigate. I investigated. That's I right. called Connie Moody, who's in charge of the election office here in Greenwood. Love Connie. I brought this, and I found them online too. I brought a couple to her attention, and she says, oh, yeah, here's what happens is that when you move from one county to another county in South Carolina, your registration date updates when you indicate you've moved to Greenwood County. So this person lived in another county in 2018, cast the vote, moved to Greenwood, cast a different vote. Mm. The registration date was of when she registered to vote in Greenwood County. Okay. But they don't wipe out your whole voting history. So again, these conspiracy tinfoil hat wearers just jump to one conclusion, it must be fraud, never ask anybody with the ability to investigate or has the authority to look at the data and come up with a more plausible explanation. They don't care. I like the way they don't wipe out your voting history because it matters. That's just my plug about black history. Keep going. (laughs) I'm I'm going to try to find the relevance there, but okay. You go. History. Okay. (laughs) That, That was for me. Here was another common set of complaints. And it's a fact. Brandon couldn't get a hundred people to show up to a rally, but magically got the most vote in American history? Use delusional or on drugs or both if you believe that. I ain't seen not one Biden sticker or hat on anyone, ever. So the theme here is the more hats and pins and stickers and boats with flags on it, the more popular or better president you'll be. I'm going with the first comment to respond to that one. Use delusional on drugs, <laughs> <laughs> if you believe that. <laughs> it's kind of like that map that they like to trot out that shows blue versus red Don't counties. You hate that? I hate that map. And it looks like that map's like got all this red with just a little bit of blue. And they're like, yeah, tell me again how Biden won. Because yeah. people think empty farmland votes yeah. equally to a <laughs> city with millions of people. You know, they, they, the whole response is land that does not vote, yeah. people do. And yeah. when you redo the map in terms of population, well, then you see there's a lot more blue in the country, yeah. especially for close elections. All right, here's another set of themes about a mysterious middle-of-the-night dump. Pennsylvania, a state Trump won because they didn't cheat enough. Trump was leading by 700K before they did that dump. He cheated. No way did Biden get 600,000 votes at 4 o'clock in the morning and Trump got 3,200. It's called voter fraud. It's not a fact. You're right. It's not a fact. Exactly. (laughs) I was like, okay, thank you for confirming the opposite of your your point there. It's not a fact. I don't know what they thought or if they were mixing up people filling out ballots and submitting them at 3 a.m., versus counties, like rural counties, that take a long time to count and submit their counts that happen throughout the night. Yeah, the time is not it. It's the vote that matters. It takes some counties longer than others to collect them. you got to drive and get these in these secure boxes, and then you've got to get them back and process them and count them. That might be 4 o'clock in the morning. There was a funny joke that went out for weeks after, you know, at, at every football game. You know, if you like the score at halftime, it's like, Call the game. Yeah. And then when the score changes after halftime, oh, that's that's uh, a fraud. <laughs> they're predetermining the outcome. How 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 was they how were they up 14 nothing at the half and now they're losing 21-14? How is that possible? Easy. They misplaced. <laughs> uh, yeah. 
there were some vote spikes in Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania in the middle of the night, but they do not prove election fraud. Although those spikes occurred, those spikes also included Trump votes. In in some of those areas, Trump's vote count went and spiked at 3 o'clock in the morning. It was just as the votes ruled in. And mostly, they were left-leaning urban counties. So you got the small rural counties, which got their votes in first, but then the larger cities took a longer time, more precincts, before they closed and submitted their votes. So they would come in later. And one state actually did have a clerical error. And again, I think people don't appreciate that a nationwide election that involves millions of people casting votes, tens of thousands of workers working polls. You're a poll worker. I'm a poll worker. There's a lot of people involved. Yeah. Are humans fallible? Yeah. Yeah. Nobody makes more mistakes than humans. And so you've got to have the clerical errors. You got to, you know, put in the honest human mistakes in there. And when everybody sees a mistake happen, uh, it's got to be conspiracy. It's got to be a, a fraud. This next section, uh, I call this true tinfoil hat wearers. So I, I couldn't even group them together into a cohesive <laughs> argument. So this is just a bunch of bonkers stuff. Let's okay. listen to this. Wait until all the evidence that President Trump has to give to the American people and show them what happened in 2020 to everyone. He was selected by fake votes and Obama, the dictator CIA agent, is running the country he never left. You can't fact check that. If you do, you go to prison. Ha. Yeah. Sure. Biden says the N-word repeatedly yet gets more black votes than Obama. Definitely what happened. (laughs) The courts did not look at the cases. The Supreme Court refused to rule on any of the cases. They sent them back down to the lower courts, all of which had Democratic liberal judges appointed by Democrat rats. Nice try. Do your homework. Also stop watching The View. That is not fact-checked. You can't count the legal votes ran off on copy machines, so don't lie to us patriots. Liars go to hell and I don't think you want to go there. No more votes were added for him than Trump. I like this voice. It's easy to say he won when the election people say hey he got this many votes and the mail-in votes were all for Biden. Can we see the votes? And why did you kick the supervisors out? Nope. We're good. Here is the result. Can we see the votes? (laughs) (laughs) I like that last one. So I I think I'll address just that last call. Uh, Again, this was about kicking the supervisors out. Can we see the votes? All right, where is that coming from? No clue. That came from Georgia as well. So this came from uh, Atlanta's State Farm Arena, which was a polling location. And here's what the claim was. Poll workers and partisan observers were told to leave Atlanta's State Farm Arena on election night, but four election workers stayed behind, pulled suitcases full of ballots out from under a table, and scanned them after hours without any supervision. Now, you know. Now, now Bill. Now, they done made us. Come on. Because now that's a bunch of crap. You know this has been debunked a hundred of which ways to Sunday, but they don't care. There is a video. The video shows no evidence of fraud. There is no smoking gun. There was nothing there. There was surveillance footage from the room where ballots were counting. And, you know, you heard the claim, but here's the reality. 
No observers were ever told to leave the facility. The staff members were opening and flattening ballots for scanning. They left the facility as their duties were concluded. Other election workers were starting to pack up. They put the ballots back in boxes and away under a table to close out for the night. No suitcases were involved. The supervisor got a call from one of the officials there and instructed the team to continue scanning the ballots. So, like, they were like, we done for the night. They're like, no, you got to keep, get it. Yeah, keep going. It so they pulled those boxes back out and started scanning them. There were no magical ballots. There was no secret suitcases. There was no kicking out of anybody. This was this was just nuts. Absolutely nuts. So anyhow, there was late night counting because guess what? Atlanta's a big place and yeah, there was a lot of you ballots. You gotta count. Hey, that's <laughs> proof that every vote's get counted. Yeah. But not to hear it from the those conspiracy theorists. Mm-hmm. Of course not. So here's the last batch of uh fraud claims. And I saved this one for last because of them all, I think this one might have the slimmest amount of legitimacy to it. So let's listen. Yeah, let's talk about all the mail-in ballots. Let's talk about all the states. You changed the rules at the last minute. Why are the Democrats so afraid of voter ID? Why are you afraid to substantiate the right to vote in proper precincts? So this kind of goes back to the mail-in ballots claim from earlier, but there was a a little new spin on this, and I want to call out one sentence that commenter said, quote, let's talk about all the states you changed the rules at the last minute. Yeah. So that indeed did happen. Again, what was occurring in 2020? COVID. COVID. You had a pandemic. Pandemic. Over a million Americans had, had perished from that. Yeah. Yes, all of the state house legislators, or I wouldn't say all of them, but most of them, including South Carolina, passed some new regulations. Um, the election boards passed or set some updated rules about voting yeah. to be able to handle a very unique, sudden, dangerous threat to people's lives. Yeah. Now, I don't have time for people to claim, oh, there was nobody was ever in danger and nobody ever really died. And we ain't got time for that. We yeah. don't have time for that. I mean, yeah. one million Americans dead, that is yeah. irrefutable data. Yeah. So people were dealing with it as best as possible and things like expanding early voting and Mm -hmm. and things like expanding mail-in ballots and all these things to help keep the population safe while keeping the election secure. Yeah. All of this was done out in public. In fact, I was looking at an article called Here's How States Have Changed the Rules Around Voting Amid the Coronavirus Pandemic. It was dated September 22nd, Mm. 2020. That was months before the election. Mm -hmm. And it lists it all out state by state and what Republicans and Democrats are both doing about it. And it was more just a factual, here's what you need to know. Yeah. Nobody complained. There was no outrage. There was none of this in the middle of the night. They changed all the rules. It was only after Trump lost. That's it. That they said, aha, this was uh, unconstitutional, and including our U.S. congresspersons who refused to certify the election, mm. started challenging all these rules. They didn't yeah. care about it during the election when they thought Trump was going to win. Yeah. But once Trump lost, they went back and said, oh, now we got problems. Yeah. And guess what? Most of these changes became law eventually anyway. Mm-hmm. South Carolina securely embedded into law a two-week early voting period where you can show up without excuse, without yeah. reason and vote at polling locations throughout the counties. This one, again, doesn't hold a lot of water. Yeah. Now, what I would like to talk with you about, Jamil, is about actual incidents of voter fraud. Okay. So 
we're not saying voter fraud doesn't happen. It sure. does happen. It is. So I went and researched, you know, show me some examples of real voter fraud that has occurred recently throughout our country. So let's start off with one example. This is in New York, Rensselaer County. A former GOP elections commissioner admitted to voter fraud and other top GOP figures were charged in a ballot fraud case. That's New York. Have you heard of any voter fraud yeah, yourself, Jamil? let's go. New Hampshire Republican resigns as investigators conclude he doesn't live in his district. Oh, snap. I guess that's the law up there. You ought to be that's living the in the district you, you do uh, go for to run in. State house, you better live there. Did you hear about the Republican candidate's wife who was arrested and charged with casting 23 fraudulent votes for her husband? You can't blame that woman for loving her husband. Listen, my wife didn't submit no 23 <laughs> votes when I ran last year. I'm going to have to have a talk with her. <laughs> what about one this, this, Republican? Hold on, hold on. That oh, was in Iowa, by the way. That I'll was make in sure. Iowa? That was in Iowa. Let's check on them. They're still together? I bet so. <laughs> That's dedication. It is. <laughs> Uh, one Republican, Duncan, says... Wait a minute, which, which Republican is that? Duncan. Is that our Duncan? That's our Duncan. Our, our congressman, Jeff, yeah. Mr. Husband-loving family man, yeah. Duncan. Okay. That's him, that's him. What did he have to he say? He said, after the 2020 election, Trump was fighting massive levels of Democratic fraud. Every illegal vote should be thrown out, and a federal investigation should come, especially after January the 6th. So this is Mr. Fraud himself saying yeah. there were massive levels of Democratic fraud. I mean, fraud. game recognized game. So, you know, <laughs> let's just be real. Ooh, that's a good one. Game recognized game. <laughs> a Trump-backed candidate for Michigan Attorney General and an ex-GOP lawmaker faced state charges over alleged voting machine plot. After the 2020 election, he was arrested because he had possession of voting machines and conspiracy to access those voting machines. This is, again, he was running, what was he running for? Attorney General. And he's out there skimming up voting machines, looking to tamper with them. Damn. Well, I need a win. I got to get that win some kind of way. Have you heard of any more incidents? Uh, five GOP candidates. Oh! Uh-huh, uh-huh. Blocks <laughs> from Michigan's governor primary voter voters over alleged false signatures. So somebody signed it for somebody. So to run in a primary to be Michigan's governor, you got to get a whole bunch of signatures. Yeah, and yeah, they... yeah. And because I didn't get them, I'm going to create some. How's that sound? It sounds great. <laughs> Well, down in Florida, some poor elderly Florida Democrats said that the GOP canvassers duped them into changing party affiliation. Duped? Hundreds of them were forced to change their votes against their will. How do you get duped? They got duped. Four people plead guilty in North Carolina <laughs> ballot probe in 2016 and 2018. Like, just stop. Hold on. What do you know about these guys? They pled guilty to tampering with the ballots in 2016 and 2018. And they were all Republicans. Yes, they were. <laughs> they so, did. So anyhow, uh, you know, it always seems like the party that's screaming most about election fraud is the one out there committing like the all you, the election fraud. I love fraud. the way you pulled that together. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah. Game recognizes game. 
And that's a wrap for this episode of Black, White, and Blue in the South. We hope you enjoyed what you heard. We would sure appreciate a rating and review so that our reach can grow. If you're a blue dot in a red sea, keep the faith, keep up the hard work, get involved in any way you can. There comes a time when being silent is being complicit. Mm. And I, for one, have been silent for far too long. Yay. We'll speak with you next week. Yeah. Proceeding podcast is a product of Big Media and copyright 2023, all rights reserved.